Shut up and sit down. Thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Cinema from the Dark Side. I am your host, Patrick, and I am joined here today by TJ. TJ, what's going on, man? Hey, Pat, how you doing? I'm going on pretty, doing pretty well here. So, uh, folks, just in case uh, you ask yourself later on in the future why there might be a lag in this episode is because we are doing this over Google Hangouts at the moment. Uh, we're just giving this a try to see how this works out. Um, but before we begin, I do want to give a special shout-out to our sponsor, MJDArtworks.com. Matt Dawson does amazing work over there. He's the artist who provided us the artwork for our Facebook, SoundCloud, and iTunes pages. So please go over to his website and take a look at that. Um, now, as per usual on the show, we do have our first segment, which is movie news. TJ, why don't you go ahead and take it away with our first bit here? Okay, well, I believe we talked about in a previous episode about um, Disney casting um, live-action Aladdin. Yes. And uh turns out that they are really, they being Disney, really struggling to uh, cast this movie. Really, um, particularly particularly the uh, the lead actor um, to actually play Aladdin, and um, apparently they've director Guy Ritchie has gone through two thousand auditions already so far and has picked none of them. Holy <laughs> so shit! It's uh, it's a, it's pretty crazy because um, I mean people really thought they had a lock on somebody. I think the last time we talked about this, and right. apparently that's not the case at all. <laughs> um uh here's here's a quote from uh what the hollywood reporter said it says uh while the studio had interest in dev patel and uh riz ahmed i think it's riz i don't know if it's right that's riz. that looks right yeah yeah uh, the male lead will likely be a newcomer sources say the studio is eyeing power rangers actress naomi scott or indian actress tara sutaria to play jasmine but can't lock the deal until the male lead has been selected since chemistry is so important to the story. Obviously, that makes sense. Um, I agree. Yeah. And, uh, it is, the article does go on to say here that it's probably a good thing that they're taking their time with this because it means that they're really putting a lot of care into this and uh, they want to do this the right way. So um, I agree, yeah. I, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that they don't need to rush this because, I mean, they, they're really starting to pump out these... Uh, live action reboots uh with i mean the lion king is still on its way also yep so i think that if they want to take their time they absolutely can um because it, it, the, the so far they've done really well i mean especially with like the jungle book things like that they did a really good job so i'm just hoping that they take their time and do it the right way like they did with that Right. Uh, now, I don't think we reported on this the last time. In this article, it also said something about Will Smith being signed on to play the genie. <laughs> Actually, yeah, I don't remember if that was... I don't think we covered I that. I don't think we did cover that. I think you're right. But, yeah, that's <laughs> another interesting thing to consider. Um, it's a, I mean, it's not just rumored. Like, it, it's he is signed on. Like, he's going to do it. Oh, wow. I don't yeah. know. How do you... I mean... Well, first of all, let's address the fact that they, they've been over through 2,000 auditions for the male role. That's absolutely insane. I don't even yeah. think they did that for Star Wars, you know, Episode Seven mainly. No, I don't think they did. So, <laughs> but 2,000 uh, auditions and they still haven't found someone to lock it down. That's, that's so ridiculous. But what do you think about Will Smith as a genie, though? 
Well, I think it could work. Um, I think Will Smith is a little bit underrated. Um, I think a lot of people kind of hate on him a little bit, um, you know, because he really hasn't done anything that great in recent years. Um, and I, I think that I'd actually be curious to see how he would do it because um, this is a lot more of an animated uh, character with a lot more of a comedic value. Right. I think that it would be really interesting to see Will Smith do that. And I think he can do it. I mean, obviously, he knows he knows how to do comedic value. I mean, he was he did Fresh Prince of Bel-Air for however many years. <laughs> right. So I, I, I have no doubt in my mind that he'll be able to do the role. I'm just I'm honestly just curious. I, I don't doubt that it'll work. Um, but okay. I'm, I'll be curious to see how he portrays it. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, that I pretty much agree with that. So, uh, with that being said, I'll go ahead and read this next piece of movie news. This one is actually um, about John Boyega doing an interview with someone and talking about Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia and what's going to be happening in Episode Seven. And this is a quote directly from John Boyega. Uh, So he says, John Boyega says, Princess Leia will walk away from the Star Wars universe in an amazing, amazing way. Um, So that's just the title of the headline. So going forward, reading through this, basically, um, this they're saying episode eight, this movie, it sends her off in a very amazing, amazing way. She is still kept alive in this franchise. That's the beauty of it. You know, she lives forever in a sense. So that kind of blew all of our theories out of the water because we've been saying forever that they have to kill her off, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean... Well, I'm, you know, here's the thing though. I think the way he's talked, the way the way this is being said, makes me think that it's going to have something to do with her being sort of, I don't know, absorbed into the force or something like that. You, you know what I mean? Like, right. I think they are still going to kill her off, but okay. not like in some horrific like oh killed in an accident or like they she died of natural causes or whatever i think it's going to be have something to do with the force okay yeah because um in this article it also says that john boyega has a lot of like intimate scenes well i shouldn't not intimate but you know very close relationship with carrie fisher while they were filming this because they have a lot of scenes together in the upcoming movie um so, I mean, we'll definitely see where it goes. I, You know, that's actually a pretty good theory that she'll, like, be transferred into the Force somehow. Uh, I'm excited to see that. Maybe she'll maybe she'll become a ghost and be with Obi-Wan. I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> maybe. But, uh, but, yeah. So, we'll see on December 15th when the new movie comes out. I guess we will. Out. Yeah. Hopefully, I get advanced screenings for that shit because I will go. <laughs> Wouldn't that be fantastic? It would be fantastic. All right. Uh, TG, you want to go with our next bit? Yep. Uh, next bit of news we got here. Um, I'm pretty excited about this because uh, Rocky IV was my favorite of the Rocky movies. Understandable. Uh, the, the article says Drago will return in Creed II, uh, and Stallone has finished the script for Creed II, apparently. So this isn't. This is completely based off of a single tweet from Sylvester Stallone. Actually, sorry, not a tweet. It was on Instagram, similar enough. Um, tomato tomato <laughs> he said uh he said in the instagram post just done if you are curious around 439 handwritten pages translates into about 120 page type screenplay 
and then it says hashtag writers cramp hashtag Rocky Balboa hashtag Drago Ooh. hashtag Adonis Creed or Adonis Creed hashtag MGM. Yeah, to write it the so, first time Adonis. So the only this is what this is entirely based off of is that one hashtag. It says hashtag Drago. So, um. I mean, I, there's no reason he would say that right. unless for some reason he was going to bring Ivan Drago um, back into the script. And, I mean, uh, as we all know, um, the guy who played Ivan Drago, uh, wow, I can't remember his name right now. I can't remember either, either right now. I'm such a moron. <laughs> um, uh, uh, like, I kind of want to Google hold it. Hold on. I, I, know it's, I know it's in here. Um, hold on. Wow, I can't remember it right now. Just, just Anyways, to provide Swe- Swedish Swedish actor. Yes, um, he will be. He's been. He was in the Expendables movies. Yeah. So I mean, he's been associated with Sylvester Stallone in recent years. You know, it's not like Rocky Four is the last time you know they had done something together. Right. So I mean, uh, Dolph Lundgren. That's his name. Yep, that so, is correct. So, I. It's not that surprising because he probably just called him up and was like, hey, do you want to be in this movie? And he's probably like, yes. And that was it. Like, I don't think there was probably a whole lot of a uh, whole lot of argument there. Um, they, it seems like they get along just fine. So I think that'll be uh, that'll be cool to see. Um, I'll be curious to see if they're saying something in here about like having uh, Adonis Creed fight. Ivan Drago, but that doesn't make any sense because at this point, Dolph Lundgren slash Ivan Drago, they're like in their 50s or 60s. Right. So it's like, I don't think that's going to be the case. So I'll be curious to see how that, how this plays into it. I, I would, th- the, the thing that makes sense in my mind is if they're going, if they're kind of doing Creed, the style they did Rocky. Uh, do you remember in, what was it? Uh, Rocky 3, when he fights Mr. T. And he actually, Apollo Creed actually helps train him. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I think what, what I think would be cool if this happened is if they get Dolph Lundgren, Ivan Drago, to come in and help train Adonis Creed. Hmm, interesting. I, that's just, that, that would be kind of cool in my opinion. Did you, did you see the first Creed movie? I actually did not. I've wanted to. It's really good. I was very surprised by it, actually. Yeah, I mean, it looked good. Um, I had no doubt that it would be, you know, good. I didn't know if it would be excellent or not, but it definitely looked like it could be good, and I heard good things about it, so that's one that's on my list. Definitely, definitely. All right, so let's go ahead with our next bit of movie news here. So uh, Tarantino, and I'm a big Tarantino fan, he's directing a Manson family movie, and and they're in talks with Brad Pitt and Jennifer Lawrence. For the roles, really? <laughs> yes. So uh, Quentin Tarantino, I you know when when it comes to a Manson movie, I don't know how his style would help with that. I mean, there's a lot of murder when it comes yeah. to Manson, but I don't know. And especially with Brad Pitt and Jennifer Lawrence, that's such a weird combo. Would well, I guess. But those names are coming up. Have they just? Has it been specified what role they might, what roles they might play? Like, would Brad Pitt actually be Charles Manson? Like, <laughs> no. I mean, that would be pretty out there. So I'm taking a look at this here. Uh, let me take a look. No, um, it looks like Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, looks like she is wanted for the for Sharon Tate. Sharon Tate, correct. 
Yeah. And I can That's only... That's surprising. <laughs> I mean, would Brad Pitt be Manson? <laughs> <laughs> it would be so strange. Like, I don't... Yeah. I just really don't know if I would be okay with that. Because right. the other thing, too, is that he's getting older now, too. And Charles Manson wasn't that old. Right. He wasn't. Uh, when when that, that stuff went down. Yeah, I don't know, man. <laughs> it's possible he might be, like, an investigator, you know, something like that. Like, a different, like, a side lead role. Like, of a not, like, not necessarily as high profile of a character as, like, Manson himself. Right. And actually, I'll be curious to see if they involve um, uh, the one guy from the Beach Boys in this movie at all. Um, because, do you know about that? No. So, I can't remember which Wilson brother it is. It's not Brian Wilson. It's one of the other two. Um, he actually um, sort of almost got indoctrinated into Manson's bullshit. And he, like, let the Manson family stay at his place in California. Oh, shit. For, for, like, a year or something like that. And then eventually he realized, like, no, this dude's, like, psycho. And he, like, kicked them out. Oh. And actually, he they, they wouldn't leave. So he ended up selling the property and just, like, left them there. Like... He's like, I can't get them to leave, so I'm just going to, like, sell the property. Um, hmm. I want to say it was Dennis Wilson. Maybe. But, uh, but I, I'll be curious to see if that's a character in there, too. Yeah, that would be that would be interesting. It's also said in this article that uh, Quentin Tarantino is quoted basically saying that after he makes 10 films that he's done, like he's going in retirement. And this he would be. Saying that. Yeah, but this would be his ninth, his ninth film. Okay. So apparently, after this one, he says he he's done. So we'll we'll definitely see. So, yeah. So, so this this Manson movie would be his ninth. Yes, the Manson movie would okay. be his ninth film. So that makes me wonder. He probably has something already on the docket <laughs> for ten. Right. Because because he's throwing out the number. I don't think he's just throwing out the number ten because it's a good number. I think that he probably already has an idea for what he wants to do. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. So, but, but we'll, yeah. we'll see if that if that actual promise comes to fruition or not. I kind of doubt it, to be honest with you. Yeah, kind of. You know, it would be really cool because, um, you know, he he always puts himself in movies at one point or another. Quentin Tarantino. Right. Yeah, he cameos. Yeah, he cameos quite a bit. Um, <laughs> um, I wonder if he would go, if he would play the role of one of the people he murdered. What one of the people Manson murdered? Like uh, that—that that would be yeah, that would be pretty typical Quentin Tarantino. Like would that be. would be classic. <laughs> it would be pretty fucking sweet though. But yeah, we'll definitely see. Um, this is obviously very early stages, so nothing's been confirmed at all. It's just saying Brad Pitt and Jennifer Lawrence are in talks. So, okay. all right. And Jennifer Lawrence, I see Brad Pitt. I I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right, man. All right. So you want to go to our next bit here, TJ? Yeah, sure. So um, this is actually sort of a half movie, half music news. Nice. Um, so Brian May from the band Queen, he's a guitar player, uh, he officially has confirmed that the Freddie Mercury biopic movie um, will go forward and that they have chosen Rami Malek to play Freddie. Um and the interesting story behind this movie is originally uh, Sasha Baron Cohen was going to play Freddie Mercury, which, in my opinion, 
fantastic choice. He looks kind of like him. Yep. I mean, he would be. I mean, the, the guy's a chameleon. <laughs> I mean, yeah, yeah, he's made some pretty like ridiculous, stupid movies, but <laughs> yeah, um, I think that he, from everything that I read when they were talking about this for the past couple of years, them doing this, he was very, very passionate about doing this biopic, and he was so honored to play Freddie Mercury. But what happened was he got into kind of a spat with um, Brian May and Roger Taylor of Queen because Sasha Baron Cohen's. Uh, view was that they needed to show Freddie Mercury including all of his faults because Freddie Mercury as amazing and talented of a songwriter and singer and piano player that he was he led a very very uh, hedonistic and sort of dangerous lifestyle so yeah. um, Sacha Baron wanted to uh, he wanted to show all of that like he wanted to be like this was he was a real guy he had his faults um, and he led an amazing life. So that was what the story he wanted to tell. But then Brian May and Roger Taylor didn't like that. They were basically like, no, no, we don't want to talk about the bad stuff Freddie did. We don't want to talk about the risks that he took in his life. You know, we want basically to make this sort of a worship Freddie Mercury movie. Because, and the reason why, and I understand why, because showing Freddie Mercury's faults would be kind of putting a stain on the on the brand queen you know like that that kind of stains their brand so i understand where they're coming from but at the same time it, it frustrates me a lot oh yeah because i feel like the sasha baron cohen version would be so much better dude i i fully 100 percent agree that that version would be better look at uh walk the line or ray they all sure. showed those like musicians faults and how they got to where they are fucking i didn't know then again i'm not that huge of a ray charles fan like i didn't know he was a fucking heroin addict you know right like i didn't know that johnny cash was addicted to fucking uppers and downers and all this other shit yeah yeah so what the fuck i don't know but yeah yeah and actually there's more to it in this here um so they say they want rami malik to play freddie mercury and they also say that brian singer is going to be the director for this movie, mm. which is interesting because he doesn't really come across as like a docudrama biopic type of director. You know what I right. mean? Because, you know, I mean, he's known for like X-Men and stuff like that. I Yeah, that's what I he's most famously known for. So I don't know... I mean, I'm not saying he won't do a good job, but I'm just totally kind of in the dark. I'm like, I have no idea how he's going to do doing this type of film. That is, you know, that is true. But, you know, Brian Singer, he's actually had his uh, hands in a lot of cookie jars when it comes to, to movies. There's one, uh, The Usual Suspects. That was a fucking great movie. And that was a Brian Singer movie. So, true. So, I don't know. We'll see. I, I guess I'm not as worried about that, uh, Brian Singer being the director. Um, but I I will say I love Rami Malek as an actor, though. After, oh, he's great. Yeah, dude. After watching Mr. Robot, though. Dude, uh, um, my fiance and I actually just started watching Mr. Robot. We're on, like, we're, like, halfway through the first season right now. Dude, isn't it's it awesome. so fucking good? Yeah, and he's awesome. Like, yeah. He's, I have, I have no problem with him being Freddie Mercury. Like, I have no problem with that at all. What I have a problem with is Brian May and Roger Taylor basically putting the kibosh on saying anything bad about Freddie. I, I don't like that. Listen, if 
a man dies from AIDS, he's obviously done some fucked up shit. <laughs> well, I mean, you can't really say that because, I mean, he was he was gay and he was around in the 80s. I mean, that happened to a lot of gay men in the 80s that were just, they weren't necessarily super hedonistic. It just, it exploded because they didn't, nobody knew what to do about it. So I wouldn't say that's really, uh, you know, something I would say, oh, he must have let a really well, didn't he also style if he died from AIDS, but he did. Apart from that, he did actually live a very risky life. Right. Well, didn't wasn't he also like on drugs? Didn't he also do heroin and shit? Oh, yeah. I don't know if he did heroin, but I think he did a lot of coke. I think he he was just he was very much a product of the eighties. Right. You know, very much a product of the eighties club scene, Studio Fifty Four. You know, all that type of stuff. So, um, I think that that was. Like I said, that's just part of. He was a partier, you know. He was right. out, always out to have a good time. Right. If that included drugs, it included drugs. Right. Yeah. Definitely. All right. I guess I'll go ahead and do with our last bit of movie news here. So, uh, this one is a complete in the rumor mill, not substantiated as of right now whatsoever. Um, but it looks like, the, according to this rumor, they are that Warner Bros. is thinking about doing a Harley Quinn versus the Joker movie. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the reason why this is coming up is because um, it com- the news comes up from screen from Screen Rant, and it says that that within the DCEU um, that they want to do this movie without it affecting Suicide Squad two. So I don't know if that means they would like to do it before or after Suicide Squad two. But uh, okay, but- hold on. Why are they doing a Suicide Squad 2? I don't know. That movie sucked. (laughs) Who gave them the money? Like, who was like, yeah, we'll give you more money so you can make another pile of burning garbage? Like, I don't know what what the plan is there. Yeah, I I honestly couldn't tell you why. Um, But, I mean, it is arguable that Harley Quinn and the Joker were the best things in that movie, even though I did not like the Joker. I mean, I don't know. Did you even see the movie at all? I haven't seen Suicide Squad because I was told it was so bad. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm not even going to touch it. I fucking hated Jared Leto's Joker in there. I just hated it. It looked terrible. I hated him. I only saw the, I, I mean, I saw like all the trailers. Right. Because I, the, the concept of Suicide Squad is freaking awesome. So I was excited about it. And then I watched all the trailers and I'm like, what the hell is Jared Leto doing? Like, I don't understand what's happening here right right and that's so fucking weird um but yeah that's all that's like i said this is complete rumor i did love harley quinn in the movie i did sit through that pile of garbage and i thought harley quinn was fucking amazing in it Uh, i also like will smith's dead shot as well but honestly it it just didn't come together for me i hope that uh you know warner bros fucking eases up on directors because david ayer has said the director of suicide squad he said like they they basically they had a bullwhip to him all the fucking time so he couldn't make the movie he wanted to make and so that's why he's not directing suicide squad 2 anymore (laughs) so Mm. uh we'll we'll definitely see but it'll be interesting to see a harley quinn versus joker movie we'll see how that goes Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, I will also say for the listeners, if you really want a true idea of what the Suicide Squad is supposed to be like, check out the animated film Assault on Arkham. Because I've heard that, that was movie, really good. 
that that movie kicks ass. Like it's so good, and the writing is good. It's funny, and I believe it includes uh, Kevin Conroy doing Batman in that movie also. Um, it does not have Mark Hamill doing the Joker, but um, whoever does the Joker in that movie does a very good job. So it actually it's, it's a very good movie. So I highly recommend listeners if you really want to know what the Suicide Squad is about, go watch that. That's right. much much closer to the real attitude. Nice. Does the gr- does the Joker have a grill? No, he does not have a grill. He looks like the Joker. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you mean he's not covered in all these shitty tattoos? No, he's not. He actually just looks like the Joker. Right. <laughs> All right. I think we're on to our main topic now, which is, of course, Atomic Blonde. This was directed. Yes. Yeah. Uh, this was directed by the one of the directors who directed John Wick. Don't quite remember the name at the moment. Uh, but TJ, just starting off thoughts. What do you think of the movie overall? You know, I would say if I had to give this on a ten scale. I'd probably give it about a seven. Honestly, um, I'd give it a five. Maybe, maybe a six and a half. But the, the thing is about this movie, action sequences, incredibly good. Um, the acting was incredibly good. Um, what was not good was the story. And it, it's not really the plot points that make it not good. It's the way that they told the story was very poor, in my opinion. I thought it was incredibly confusing. It was, I remember sitting halfway through the movie, I felt like I was stupid or something because I <laughs> I was like, wait, so I don't know what's going on. Like what's happening right now? Right. Yeah, I, I, I gotta agree. I had that same feeling. I didn't have that as much until like the very end of it. Um, but we'll get to that later, you know, the confusedness and shit. Yep. But, I mean, the story is was just way too convoluted for me. Um, it was And it was amazingly overhyped. Way, way Definitely. overhyped. So, way overhyped. <laughs> so, but, I mean, I mean, I give credit where credit is due. The action scenes in this movie were phenomenal. Yep. Absolutely phenomenal. Charlize Theron played her part amazingly when it comes to it because she did a lot of her own stunts in that movie. So, I mean, it, but where John Wick succeeded with just ridiculous action and minimal, minimal plot, this movie, it's like they tried to do uh, amazing action with a way too extravagant plot, Mm -hmm. in my opinion. And it just kind of like fell on its face a little bit. And and while I like Charlize Theron, uh, you know, during the action scenes and whatnot, I've, she was very unrelatable as a main character. Stiff, really stiff. Very That's the stiff. Word I would use. Yeah, like I thought the side characters were way more interesting than yeah. Charlie Theron. James McAvoy was fantastic. Oh, James McAvoy was fucking awesome. Um, yeah, I mean. Again, I've already said that the action scenes were phenomenal. You know, obviously there was that one scene in the stairway that happened that went on for like six fucking minutes. That was crazy. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, um, I, I commend this movie for doing as little jump cuts as possible. Um, sure. But I did see in that stairway scene where she's just continuously going down the stairs and just kicking the shit out of dudes. I did notice the points where they did have to cut. 
but they mm -hmm. I commend them because they made it look like they didn't. Right. They tried really hard. They actually put a lot of effort into it, which is cool. Right. And I thought that was phenomenal. I thought that yeah. was phenomenally, phenomenally done. So the whole movie centers around uh, the falling of the Berlin Wall. And Charlie Theron is an agent for, uh, like, MI6 or something like that. Yeah, MI6. Yeah. And so she has to go or find... is she? Ooh. <laughs> so she has to go find... Uh, this list full of all these MI6 agents' names, which happens to be in a watch. Um, obviously, I don't think it was just MI6. I think it was. Um, oh, really? I think it was. I think it was CIA also. Like it was. Mm. I mean, it was like it was literally like Eastern Bloc, Western Bloc. Like mm. it wasn't just MI6. Okay, that's why it was such a huge deal. Okay, maybe I got a little confused there, but uh, but I mean that plot. If they just kept it like, okay, this is my job. I have to go do this. Let's go do it. Would have made the movie ten times better, in my opinion. But no, they added in all this other shit. Like, obviously you knew. Like, as soon as you fucking saw him, even though I love him, uh, I loved his character, as soon as James McAvoy came on the screen, I'm like, uh, yeah, he's dirty. Like, <laughs> right, yeah, I mean, it was, it was pretty easy to figure out. Right. <laughs> so, but I, I mean, and so... What was what was really shitty, in my opinion, for this movie, was the fact that they tried to give Charlie Theron like, uh, like that one dude at the beginning of the movie who died. Like, obviously, they they show you there is a connection between Charlie Theron and this one agent who died at the beginning of the film, but yeah. she like, like they it was tried dropped, like <laughs> they tried to make it seem like she gave a shit, but I did not get any sense of the feeling that she cared at all. Yeah, I didn't buy it. Well, the way they tried to play it off was basically they they showed like she had a photo of herself and this agent who was killed, and she had this photo, and then she burns the photo as like, oh, I'm giving, I'm forgetting about that part of my life, and then that was it. Like it was never brought up again. Like it was just incredible. It was it, it was just it wasn't believable to me. Right. I thought that was a really really cheap way to give Charlize Theron's character a a sense of direction like I, I thought that was really it was it was totally unnecessary like right. they could have just been like you're a fucking MI6 agent and go do your job and that's it <laughs> like they didn't need that thing at the beginning at all no they did not I completely completely agree with you um, what other things you know we already mentioned like uh, the convoluted you know storyline and so on and so forth what else didn't you like about that uh, like, give us examples about the storyline that you <laughs> that thought you were stupid during. <laughs> well, that's the thing is, like, it's so convoluted that I can't really remember the details that weirded me out because there was so much going on and the scene changes were kind of, uh, how do I put this? It, it, the, the scene changes weren't smooth. Like, the continuous scene changes were smooth. You know what I'm saying? Like, where you're talking about with the, the fight scene on the stairwell yeah like that was really well done but when you went from like scene to scene with different characters locations like that and they would then they would go back to charlie's theron talking in you know the interrogation room with the cia guy and the mi6 guy it just it, it was a little bit confusing to understand the timeline okay like i was like oh, like i honestly have no idea how much time passed in that movie no clue whatsoever it could have been a week it could have been a month. It could have been three days. I don't know. 
there's absolutely no way to tell because all of a sudden it's like, oh, it's daytime. Oh, now it's nighttime. Oh, it's daytime. Oh, now it's nighttime again. Like, I, I, I don't know. The timeline was super confusing. And then the other thing, too, was you, like you said, we knew from the beginning that James McAvoy's character was dirty. Yeah. Like, you already knew that. But then they tried to, like, play it off like you didn't know. <laughs> and they tried to make it like more convoluted. Like it's like, oh, there's no way anybody watching this movie is gonna realize that he's dirty until we make this big reveal. And it was like, then they had like this big reveal, and it showed. I can't remember exactly what it showed, but it showed. I think he had the list. He actually had the list, and he was looking at it, and he was gonna give Charlize Theron up to somebody, and it was like, yeah, well, I kind of knew that. Like that's not. It was so anticlimactic. Like, you could tell it was supposed to be a really important, like, holy shit scene. But they completely ruined it. It was just right. like, well, yeah, we already knew. Like, this isn't shocking. Right. Yeah, I agree, man. Um, <laughs> you know, I think, if I remember correctly, she was there for, like, a week and a half. Because it, it, when they were in the interview room, it said, like, oh, 11 days before incident, so on and so forth. Um. Something, something to that effect. I believe it was 11 days. But, yeah, you're right. There was no sense of, you know, <laughs> a timeline established in this film. Um, also, one thing I found super fucking weird. It was super hard to tell whether or not she was in East Berlin or West Berlin. Like, Yes, that was – you're right. I forgot about that. That was really tough to figure out <laughs> because the only way you could tell – and this is actually what I ended up doing, like, almost subconsciously, is I started looking at the cars. Because I was like, is it, I'm like, okay, well, are people driving, like, these shitty, these really shitty-ass, like, old-looking cars around? Or are they driving around these cars that look like they're from the late 80s? <laughs> and that's really the best way to tell. Because otherwise, you're right. You had no idea. Right. Yeah. But, I mean... <laughs> um but yeah dude that that was i i definitely get where you're coming from the most convoluted it got was towards the end and i forget what like code name she was supposed to be using at the moment satchel satchel yes yeah, satchel so yeah so this whole fucking movie centers around her getting that watch full of the list and her discovering who satchel is so at the end of the movie she's fucking like going into this hotel room and you know well first first of all you think the movie's over right because she kills james mcavoy right and then uh you think oh movie's over yeah and then yeah continue so yeah so anyway she's walking to this hotel room she's now brunette obviously wearing a wig and this obviously bad guy comes in and he's like oh hello satchel you're like what the fuck is going on he's well he's first of all he's definitely russian Yes. <laughs> so, yeah. this And so, but I'm not going to explain the whole scene in detail, but basically all hell breaks loose. She gets away, um, kills the Russian, kills the Russian dude and all of his goons and so on and so forth. And then she gets on a plane with the CIA agent and he's like, John Goodman. Yeah. Yeah. John Goodman. And he's like, okay, let's go home. And I'm like, wait, what the fuck? She was CIA this whole goddamn time. What yeah. the fuck is going on here? Yeah, there was. It was the last three scenes of the movie. She appeared to be part of three different spy agencies. So, <laughs> when she kills James McAvoy, you think she's MI6, right? And then you see her in the hotel room, and she is called 
Comrade Satchel or something like that right. by the Russian guy. So you think, oh shit, she's, KGB. she's with the Russians. Right. And then she kills that guy and all of his goons. And then she gets on the plane with John Goodman, and now now she's CIA. It's like, and she speaks in an, in an American accent. Yeah. And so it's, it's like what? Which makes <laughs> so no I don't, sense. I, I think maybe they were going for like a, at the end, you're supposed to maybe not quite know who she was really with, like, because then at that point you're like, okay, well it seems like she's CIA when the credits roll, but. Is she really CIA? <laughs> like, right. because it's like, well, this has changed like three times in the past twenty minutes, so I don't know. <laughs> Is she CIA? Right, exactly, and that—that's so fucking stupid. Because let's let's go off the hypothesis that she actually is with the CIA. She was undercover with the CIA, posing as MI6 for how many years? What right. the shit? And like, and she's got a, she had this huge portfolio, like, of all the shit she'd done for MI6, and it's like how. She was a double agent, like, the whole time. And also, that doesn't make any sense because the CIA and MI6 pretty much worked together all the time throughout right. the second half of the 20th century. So it it didn't make any sense, like, why you would have, like, a double agent cover as an MI6 agent from the CIA for that long. Like, for that, that long. totally doesn't make any sense. And like, the M- and, like, MI6 wouldn't figure that out at all, right? Right, yeah, they're pretty smart. Like I feel like they would figure that out. <laughs> yeah, dude, it was it was so weird. But I mean, I did I did like the camera scenes of this movie. This movie did uh, make me feel like I was living in that time. So the scene and the setting was ve- was done very well that way. So these are now I'm going over the things I like at this moment. So, but yeah, it made me feel like I was there at the fall of the Berlin Wall. So it did very well in that respect um, in putting me in that place. But yeah, and cinematography was fantastic. It was. It was it was done very well. But, you know, I'm pretty sure I would have liked this movie more if it wouldn't if it wasn't as overhyped as it was. Yeah, because it, it, I'm, I'm not going to lie. I fell in that trap where I got super jacked to see it. Yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, see, I never got to that point. I kind of went in pretty much even keeled. I was kind of like 50 50. I'm like, I don't know how this is going to go. I guess we'll see. Right. So maybe that's why I came out saying it's a seven and you come out saying it's a five. <laughs> like, right. Well, maybe also, it's just, it got overhyped for you. Right. Well, also, I was also thinking of the very first John Wick movie, you know, when I saw it, sure. because John Wick was an amazing film. It's just minimal plot, fucking brutal action scenes. And I wanted that. I wanted, basically, I wanted a female John Wick. That's all I wanted. Well, well the thing about John Wick is that it didn't pretend to be anything it wasn't. True. Like, it was straightforward. You know what this is. Like, there's no, um, th- there was there was no ambiguity to it. It's like, yeah, you, you know this is going to be an action movie. Take it or leave it. <laughs> right. And I, but I just kind of wish they had, if the original director had stuck with that formula at some sure. point. Um, but I mean, going back to, you know, uh, the action scenes, um, besides the stairwell one, there was a part where they were going to, Charlie Saron was going to a house to look for something and someone had called the cops on her and all these fucking cops come up. She, she kicks all of their asses 
almost, it seems like without breaking a sweat, my favorite part of that was when she tied like a garden hose around some dude and fucking jumped over the balcony into yes. the floor below carrying that dude as an anchor. Oh, that, that scene was shot so, so well. Very well. Because there's an overhead shot a from the side shot and then a, a shot from where she landed. And it was, oh, that scene was amazing. Yeah. They did not skimp at all on camera placement in this movie. Like it, they really put a premium on that, and I think that's one of the things that made it real. That made it, that made it a, a movie worth watching for me. Agreed. And I think I think I remember you saying this is one of those movies where you wouldn't buy it at full price on Blu-ray, but if you saw it for like eight bucks, might pick it up at Mega Media. Yeah. Yeah. Or, oh, for those who don't know, Mega Media Exchange is a place where you can buy used movies, so on and so forth. Um, but yeah, I would definitely, I would buy it for like eight bucks, but I'm not going to buy it for, <laughs> for, for 25 or no, yeah. not yeah. at all. I mean, if they had kept it simple, I most certainly yeah. would. You know, another thing that I, it was kind of weird about this movie was Charlize Theron's character's weird lesbian relationship with the French agent. I found that like, awesome. I mean, it, Honestly, it was obviously it was a lot more in depth than the driving factor of her doing all of this when that other guy was killed at the beginning. Right. There was there was at least something told about this romance, <laughs> but um, it was one of those things where they threw in a girl on girl sex scene, and I thought it felt forced a little bit. Like it was just like, okay, I see what you guys are doing here. Like you're just you're kind of throwing. They're throwing it in there just, just you know, to get some fan service going. That's about it. Like it, there wasn't, you didn't, it didn't need to be there. It didn't, and it was done super awkwardly too. Very. Like the the French operative picks her up at a bar. At this point, Charlie Theron doesn't, quote unquote, know that she's a French operative. They start making out a hallway, making out in a hallway. Charlie Theron finds her, finds her gun that's pretty much in her ass crack and you know points at her starts like questioning her and then they go back to making out and and have a sex scene it's so weird and it and was it, forced that that span that span that conversation span was like 30 seconds like it was <laughs> like hey it's like hey i found this gun up your ass like what's up with this are you and then she's like oh i'm a i'm a french operative and she's like well that's kind of fucked up what are you, are you trying to do me dirty here what's going on and she's like no, I'm actually on your side. And that's good enough. Like, that's all she has to hear. And then they go back to, like, making out, and then they go have sex. Like, I don't understand that. That was a pretty good sex scene, though, if I will say so myself. It was, it was all right. Yeah, I mean, at least it was tastefully done. I mean, it, it was. was, you know, it was kind of shadowy, and it was, you know, the, the the scene and the lighting was set really well. I'll give it that. But I thought that getting into it, it was super forced. Right. I, I agree. Yeah, I definitely agree with that. Oh man, <laughs> I will say also Bill Skarsgård character, however small of a role he played in this, I, I like I liked him at, in it as well because he definitely looked like that that guy. Were you about to ask who's Bill Bill Skarsgård? He's that. Uh, look up a picture of him. I can't even remember his name. He got the blonde hair. Yes, that was Bill Skarsgård. Okay. Yeah, he was sort of like the leader of like the the Russian like West, East German group yeah basically the re okay. the rebellion group or so on and so forth but yeah dude honestly uh my final thoughts on this movie 
Um, this is going to be a short, shorter podcast, folks. But um, my my honest thoughts on this movie is that it was way too overhyped. Uh, the storyline was way too convoluted. The action scenes were and cinematography were amazingly done, but it doesn't really make up for you know a good that those don't need to be key factors in order to make a good movie you need like a good plot and a good story yeah i mean well you you need i guess you you need one that's not overly convoluted i think that's the point like the story it could have been like the the whole plot could have been done a lot better and it would have worked but it just was not arranged properly at all. Like the scene, scene order, and like, just the, the fact that they didn't really give you a very good exposition. I think that sort of threw the whole thing off. Yeah, definitely. You know, like kind of like I said, it could have been so much better if she was like, "Okay, this is my mission. Let's go do this. End of movie." Right. So yeah, but that yeah. Anything else, TJ? I don't think so. I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, there's really. The movie, even though it's convoluted, there's not a whole lot of depth to it. You can't really dwell on it for very long. You're just like, okay, this was a series of events. Right. That, and that I, was pretty much it. And also, I felt no connection to Charlie's Theron whatsoever. None. Like, yeah, I, I, that that kind of bummed me out, actually, now that I think about it, that <laughs> I felt absolutely nothing for the main character. Like, I didn't care whether she lived or died, to be perfectly honest. I mean, I still want her to keep kicking ass, but that's about it. Like, well, yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, I want, I want to see her kick everybody's ass. That's great. But like, I as far as far as like the character itself, no attachment. Right. I agree. I agree. All right, folks. So I think that'll wrap it up here. Like I said, shorter episode today. Um, but uh, this is normally the part, the podcast we would do our listener mail segment, but. Unfortunately, we do not have any anymore. So again, if you have any questions, please, please uh, send Folks them to s- slacking. Yeah, stop slacking. What the fuck? It could be anything. You can ask me why I suck dicks. I don't care. So, <laughs> I mean, I don't, but I'll give you an answer. All right. <laughs> so again, if you have any questions, s- send them to cinema from the dark side at gmail.com uh, and just title listener listener mail, and we will definitely answer it on the show. So, uh, again, and uh, one more time, we do want to give a special shout-out to our sponsor, MJDArtworks.com. Uh, Matt Dawson's site. Go ahead and check out his artwork. And I think he's going to be getting prints for sale uh, shortly here. Thanks again for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you next time on another episode of Cinema from the Dark Side. <laughs>